Welcome to the Fate Before podcast. In this week's episode, Tommy and John discuss playoff baseball, the NCAA football landscape, as well as some of the NFL coaching controversies. They break down the Kentucky versus Georgia game, as well as BYU versus Baylor. In the NFL, they discuss the Arizona Cardinals versus the Cleveland Browns, as well as the Buffalo Bills versus the Tennessee Titans. So sit back, grab a drink, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fade the Four podcast. And tonight, we actually only have two of us. Um, so, John, I'm kicking it right over to you. What are you drinking? Got some Bush Light tonight um, in honor of Levi, uh, you know, getting those cars to customers. So, what about you, Tom? We should never honor Levi, especially on this podcast. That's um, That's you know, fair. tonight, I'm actually, so I was thinking about this. I'm drinking what I think is like the second favorite beer on this podcast next to Bushlight. Any guesses, John? Spotted Cow. Yeah, there you go. I don't know why, but it seems like one of us always has a spotted cow. So, yeah, that's what I've got tonight. Um, I'm a little John, jelly. Yeah, it's good stuff. So I, I mentioned no Levi. Um, and when no Levi, that means good things are coming, right? So we can finally talk baseball on this podcast. So I'm going to kick it over to you right now. Um, you know, playoff baseball is in the air, right? We're mid-October. Um, this is a, a great time of year, right? With the NFL in full swing, NCAA football in full swing, basketball is kind of starting back up, but there's nothing like baseball playoffs. Um, so we get to finally talk it. Levi is not a baseball guy. Um, what are your thoughts so far, John? You know, it might, might be that Levi didn't show up because his Cardinals um... – didn't make it out of the wild card with that loss to the Dodgers. Actually, excruciating loss. A walk off in the ninth home run by Chris Taylor. <laughs> um, uh, you know, something interesting about that, Tom. Uh, their head manager, their their ball manager, um, head coach, um, whatever you call him in the MLB, um, got fired manager. today. Yep. Yeah, he got fired today. Um, even he had one year on his contract. Um, they weren't going to probably resign him anyway. I think the GM came out and said that wasn't the reason. However, they said it was philosophical differences that the coach had and or the you know the, the manager had and with the GM. So kind of interesting though because Cardinals rattled off 17 straight games. So I'm curious what those philosophical differences really are. <laughs> um, but that being said. I, you know, we're taping this on a Thursday night and it's actually game five of the giants and Dodgers and kind of an interesting structure in the, in the playoffs, Tom. And and I'd love to get your insight on this and if you think it's fair or not, but the giants and Dodgers are the two best teams in baseball and had to play each other in the first round, right? Cause every team or every division in AL and NL gets division winner, you know, moves on the fourth best team or sorry the first second place team right of each division um may win the wild card but recently they've added a second wild card game or team um so dodgers ended up playing the cardinals but the dodgers were the second best team in baseball do you think that's fair like do you like the structure that the mlb has you know to me i don't i think it kind of sucks uh, if you're a wild card team you don't win your division you, have, you should win your division but you know what are your thoughts on that 
Yeah, you know, I actually I, I kind of disagree with you here. I am in favor of it. Um, I am a huge fan of that second wild card team making it. Um, you know, for that one game playoff, I think that that adds a lot of excitement and gives you know those teams that are kind of on the fringe of a fighting chance in the end there. Um, so I am in favor. I definitely get what you're saying. I mean, these are like you said, the two best teams in baseball. They just happen to be in the same division, right? Um, so obviously, only one can win the division. The other is going to be a wild card team. Um, at the end of the day, though, I mean, we get to see these two best teams face off against each other, right? You know, both California teams, I think they're, I would imagine that that state, those cities, right, are kind of just buzzing right now. So I personally love it. I definitely get what you're saying. I mean, they should be meeting later on in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, it makes for great baseball. Um, like I said before, playoff baseball is just one of the best times of the year. Um, so I'm all for it, John. Let me see these two best teams face off. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't really know what playoff baseball is like with my team in it. Um, it's been it's been a while. Um, I know your team has lost like seventeen straight um, in the playoffs or whatever it is. Maybe maybe I'm misinterpreting that or mis miscalculating that. But I know that they, if they play the Yankees, they're bound to not win a single game. Um, but you at least get to make the playoffs every once in a while. So you know, you said best time of the year. Um, you know, I, I could definitely you know see that. I think you get down to those crunch time, you know, playoff baseball, end of inning games where you have some either dominant closers go against, you know, some big hitters. And I, I've never been to a playoff baseball game, but I can imagine what that would feel like. It's, um, it's pretty electric. I had the opportunity of going to, I believe it was two years ago now, when the Twins were, of course, playing the Yankees. Um, and, you know, my brother and I went two games at Target Field and it was, we lost both games, but but it was a, a phenomenal experience um, and highly recommended if if your Diamondbacks ever make it there, John. <laughs> I mean, I got up, what was it, like six years ago for a wild card game versus the Rockies only for us to get destroyed by the Dodgers in the first round. Um, but that was way too long ago. Kind of blacked that out. Um, other series that we've had um, so far. The Red Sox winning the wild card matchup versus the Yankees and then taking down the Rays three to one. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, the Rays, I think, were one of the best. I think, yeah, they were the best team in the AL. So, uh, you know, the I think they won the World Series last year, too. So having them go out so quickly, I'm a little bit of a surprise. Um, the other AL series, the Astros beating the White Sox. Um Astros, Red Sox, who do you like in this one, Tom? I, I mean, I, I do think the Astros are a better team, but I mean, honestly, I still have not gotten over that cheating scandal. It seems like, um, you know, last year with the COVID year, they kind of, that just got swept under the rug. You know, they didn't really get the discipline they deserved. They didn't get the booing they deserved. Um, I do think the Red Sox are a good team. Um, their pitching is pretty good. I mean, Chris Sale, obviously back from that, that AC or Wow, I got my mind on football. That Tommy Johnson, <laughs> not ACL. Um, he's he's been pitching really well. He looks like his old self. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez, right, the southpaw. He's looking pretty good. He's been pitching well as of late. So, I mean, it's tough to say. Like I said, I do think Houston is the better team here, but I would love to see the Red Sox take this. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I, I do think the Astros pitching is pretty rock solid and they don't even have Verlander, do they this year? Correct. Um, yeah. I think McCullers has really turned it around this year. I think he was hurt the past two seasons. Granky's still there <clears throat> throwing 60 mile an hour curveballs. <laughs> um, that guy, that guy kills me. I don't know how he does it, but somehow yeah. he's still a pretty dominant pitcher. Um, 
Offense, even with that cheating scandal, though, you have Carlos Correa, Altuve, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez. That hit, like that lineup's they're pretty so, stacked. They're absolutely loaded. Um, so kind of hey, sucks. I think a lot of people hate the Astros and probably would agree with us that, you know, wanting the, the Red Sox to take this one. Now, yep. the other side of things, we still have game five, Giants, Dodgers, but the Braves actually took down the Brewers. And I think the Braves were the worst of the division winners. So um, the fact that, you know, they they were able to take three games um, to, to one versus the Brewers kind of shocked me um, in one way, but also the Brewers all year, that offense has just been – non-existent Christian Christian Yellick just has not shown up um you know he's been pretty dominant the past few years but I don't know if he's just hurt this year you know those stats were not there that being said also the Brewers starting pitching was amazing um but but that middle relievers those you know the the bullpen seemed to blow every game and they if they couldn't get it to hater they were done like they would they would blow that game and one other I think their second best reliever had a few drinks and I think he punched a wall. Um, so he broke his hand. I think. Do you remember who that was? I, cause I, I don't. And that's, that's um, pretty funny. Uh, his last name's Williams. I'm going to look it up real quick. I wanted to say it was Damien, but I don't think it was. I don't think that's his name. Buer, just looking that up right now. Brewers, Brewers pitcher injury. Devin Williams. Okay. Yep. So. Maybe he wasn't. Yeah. Okay. So Brewers pitcher Devin Williams likely missed playoffs after punching wall injury came after team celebrated clinching postseason slot. Hmm. Like after our celebration, I went out to have a few drinks. He said on my way home, I was a little frustrated and upset and I punched a wall. That's how it happened. (laughs) I don't know why after, um, you know, clinching a postseason berth, you'd be upset and punch a wall. But, you know, here we are. Um, he was actually one of their best relievers. Uh, I think he was either a rookie or a second year guy, too. So um, young, he'll learn. But, you know, that could have cost them this series um, oh, just based on his yeah. decision. So um, Bre- uh, Brewers take on the winner of the Dodgers and Giants. We don't need to make a pick here. Um, you could if you want, Tom, because I don't know if we're going to ever be able to talk about this again if Levi <laughs> comes back. Um, but, you know, I, I, I am a little surprised by the Giants this year after being so bad last year. Um, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. Um, but do you have a thought on who takes game five? It is in San Francisco. Yeah, I am leaning a little bit more towards Los Angeles here. Um, they've been here before, obviously. And so have the Giants in, in some aspects, but. I don't know. I think they are a better team overall. So I'm going Dodgers. I I would I would mimic that. So um, that's all I have about baseball. We can maybe convince Levi to let us talk about it in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, once we get towards this World Series, I'll probably start tuning in um, at that time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and John, maybe we'll have our own spinoff podcast, um, Fade the Two, and we'll just talk baseball the whole time. There you go. All right. (laughs) I like that. So, moving on to college football, Tom. Um, You know, I didn't really want to do this, but you said we should never honor Levi, but uh, it was probably three weeks ago, um, and he made a reference to this. 
um, it was supposed to be for last week's pod, but we didn't tape last week. And what he said was Michigan will be five and zero in talking about a college football playoff berth. And what do you know? They're six and zero. And something I saw um, last week on ESPN was that they had a thirty one percent chance of making the playoffs. Instantly, I threw up. But, you know, I, we have to give Levi credit when credit's due. They're 6-0. and And he's going to hate that I say this because um, when we did go to the Michigan-Wisconsin game and people were like, well, you know, Michigan hasn't really played anyone. That really pissed him off. So I still don't know if you could say they've played anybody just because Wisconsin's a little down this year. They do have Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan State left. But, hey, Levi, they're 6-0. and we're talking about college football playoff berth. Um, but one thing I really wanted to, to get into this week, Tom, was the college football landscape going into week seven. Um, you know, our, our Cyclones are a little bit of a disappointment thus far. Yep, yep. But there are some pretty cool storylines, even though I hate one of them. Um, you know, sitting here right now as we as we speak, um, we've got a new king of college football, I'll say. Um, Georgia sitting at number one after Alabama got upset last week. You know, what are your thoughts on having a new number one? If we look at the top four, which we'll kind of run through this in a little bit, Bama isn't in the top four. Now, I know it's still middle of the year, but we haven't had that this experience or have been able to talk about this since I can even remember. No, I mean, it's, it's super refreshing to, to tell you the truth, John. I mean, I don't necessarily hate Bama, but it does get tiresome, right? Always seeing them in that number one spot. Um, I, I did say two weeks ago on our last pod that I thought Georgia was the best team in the NCAA. Um, they're obviously showing that now. I mean, this, this defense is absolutely loaded. Like, I, I don't know, but – it has to be about 10 players that are getting drafted off this defense, right? Like these guys are just absolutely stacked. They have an NFL caliber defense. Um, their offensive line is actually really good as well. So no surprise. I mean, maybe at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have predicted this, right? But I mean, they're just playing, you know, better than anyone else right now. So yeah, it, like I said, John, this is absolutely refreshing. The, um, I saw like, you know, ESPN that does articles like what they have some like beat writers that they'll ask questions on. And like one of the things was, who's your Heisman, you know, front runner. And, and one of the one of the responses was, can we put the Georgia f- defensive front? <laughs> like, right. you know, you know, I mean, this will be one of our picks this week, so I won't get too far into it. But they're averaging five point five points given up a game. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, that is insane. I mean, you, I don't even think you can make the argument that they haven't played anybody either. I mean, they're in the SEC. They played Clemson to start off the year, too. Yep. I mean, you you did say that they're the best team. They are showing it right now. Um, you know who's number two, though, Tom? And this really pains us to probably talk about, but we have to talk about it. Yep. The Iowa Hawkeyes. You know, is it time, Tommy, that we – might consider that they might actually be good, like, okay? You know, after that Penn State game, um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, you have to admit it, Penn State's a, a very good team. Um, 
I, I mean, you know, the argument we always had, right? And when they had that undefeated season, was that 2015 maybe? Yeah. Um, the asterisk I always threw out there, mostly just, you know, talking shit, was that who did they play that year, right? Like North Texas was their hardest game of the season, it seemed like. So it, they they do have legitimate opponents. Um, their defense is really good this year. So, yeah, I mean, it's you got to give credit where credit is due, even if it is to the Hawkeyes. So, um it is cool to see, you know, you and I both have a lot of friends that are Hawkeyes and you, you can hate them, you know, the team, not the friends, but um, you still kind of secretly root for them, you know? Yeah. It's, it's tough to admit that I think they might be okay. And, you know, you say asterisk, I might make a little bit, some people upset about this, but Iowa was getting their asses handed to them before Sean Clifford got hurt. Yeah. It's true. A lot of people are saying that that didn't matter. Penn State didn't – like, Iowa scored 20 points. Yes. But one thing that Iowa is great at is field position because of their punter. Yep. The Penn State quarterback could not get a freaking snap off. Like, they, they couldn't move the ball at all. Like, they looked very incompetent as an offense. So – People saying that it didn't really matter that Clifford got hurt and that wasn't the reason Iowa still to come came back. Fine, say what you want. I have a little different opinion because if Clifford can move the ball, at least get a few first downs, Iowa might have to go eighty yards rather than fifty yards for a touchdown. Field position matters in a game between a three versus four. Um, that being said, still have a hell of a comeback, right? I mean, one thing that we've always said too is that Spencer Petrus is bad. And he was bad in that first half. I think he started one for nine or one for 11. He made plays in the second half and Penn state has a very solid defense. So I'll give credit where credit's due. He stepped up when he needed to. Um, And I think that was a deciding factor because they weren't running the ball either. It's fair. And, and and Tom, this is actually going to really probably make you mad. Um, I think that there's we have some friends in like in our group chat that think Spencer Petras is just like Kirk Cousins. Um, and I'm I'm actually watching a, a commercial and the game is for High V and Kirk Cousins is in the commercial. <laughs> what did you know? He's a sponsored by High V now, so can't shop there anymore. Um, go Fairway. Um, but no, I, Iowa. This was their toughest game of the year. I think we've. I've called them the luckiest team in college football. They seem to always get breaks, but they can't all like, they also don't make their schedule. They don't control how tough their opponents are. This schedule coming up is very, very easy. I don't see them losing to anybody. I mean, Iowa always gets tripped up by a team they should beat handily. So I'm going to be interested to see if this is a different Iowa team this year, but we're looking at this schedule, Tom, and you tell me if they're going to lose to anybody. We got Purdue at home, Wisconsin on the road, Northwestern on the road, Minnesota at home, Illinois at home, and at Nebraska. Anything there that sticks out to you? I mean, I, I think Wisconsin's the toughest game left on the schedule, right? So, but, I mean, it's tough. Like, Nebraska could be that sneaky team, right, to end the season. Um, they have looked a little bit better as of late than they did in the beginning of the season. But, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I hate to say it, but, I mean, we could be looking at another undefeated season here. Uh. Well, I might have to come up to Minneapolis and watch that game with you to give some bad juju to the Hawks. <laughs> there you go, yeah. 
Well, we were at, we were at New Bohemia watching that Michigan State Iowa game. I, I won't forget that one. That's right. Yep. Um, I agree. Wisconsin's probably the best team there. Um, now what they're two and three, not look good all year, but I don't know if you recall this, but they lost to Penn state 16 to 10 at home. Yep. And they had 40 minutes of time of possession and only got 10 points. They had the ball within the 10 yard line three times and scored zero points. So we're talking about Penn state being really good. However, Wisconsin probably should have beat them very handily. I think Wisconsin's defense might be able to hold Iowa, but Graham Mertz has to figure it out. Like he really does it or they don't stand a chance. Well, and like you were saying, John, I mean, field position matters, right? And yeah, Wisconsin can dominate that time of possession, but will they, right? If they're pinned up up against their own goal line, you know, consistently. So that could be the challenge for them. Yep. Yep, and and I would say Nebraska is probably the best three and four team in the nation. <laughs> they just they can't get out of their own way. Like yeah. it is ridiculous how how many um, mistakes or they find new ways to lose the ball game. So, um, yep. So we'll see what happens to Iowa. Man, they better hope they went out though if they want to make this playoff because one of I, I do think one loss um, to any of these six teams in the, the year that'll that'll take them out. Because these teams are not good. Yep. So, next on our list, Tom, is the Cincinnati Bearcats. They're sitting at three. They're finally getting some respect, right? Last year, I believe they went undefeated in the regular season, made a um, New York Six Bowl, but some people were thinking they should have been in the playoff. What are your thoughts on Cincy? They have, they actually have a big win uh, this year. Um, beating Notre Dame Dame. by 11. So I don't see anybody on this schedule that I guess SMU towards the end of the year, they're undefeated right now, but, but man, since he wins out, I think they're going to make the playoff this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Although I I don't necessarily agree with the logic behind it based on their strength of schedule. I mean, obviously, like you said, that Notre Dame win was pretty huge. Um, I think Notre Dame is still a very good team, but yeah, I mean, like looking at like UCF, Navy, like Tulane, Tulsa, like, I, I don't know. It's just the quality isn't there, but at the end of the day, undefeated is undefeated, I guess, right? Yep. And who knows? Maybe the committee wants to make a statement. But if they're going to take – would they take a Cincinnati undefeated team versus a Bama one-loss team? You know they're going to have that bias with Bama. They're yeah, going to want well, the money. That's just it is the money factor, right? That BAM market is huge compared to Cincinnati. Um, I would love to see it. I would love to see Cincinnati make the playoff over Bama, but uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see that happening. Hey, you never know. Maybe, you know, we'll get to this a little bit. Maybe Urban Meyer stayed back in, back in Ohio to give a pep talk to these Bearcats. Um. <laughs> we, we know exactly why he stayed back, but more on that later. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the next team here, Oklahoma. There's some controversy here in Norman, Oklahoma, about who's going to play quarterback. Spencer Rattler got benched. They were getting absolutely throttled by Texas last week. I believe it was 28-7. to They brought in Caleb Williams, a true freshman. I think he had a 66-yard touchdown run. Just absolutely dominated. Um comes out, brings them all the way back, wins the ball game by seven. 
honestly, I think it was probably the most exciting NCAA college football game this year so far. And I, that's even with AM Bama. Just because of how high the score was, how far Oklahoma had come back, Texas took the lead, Texas comes down and um, throw, throws a touchdown late. Oklahoma, I think the spread was three and a half. There was, oh gosh, less than 10 seconds left. Handoff with at the 33-yard line, and it looked like Texas didn't even touch the guy. He ran it for a touchdown to cover. Um, it was just a wild back-and-forth game. Um, a lot of questions about who's going to play quarterback. I don't know if you saw this, Tommy, but um, Oklahoma had um, canceled media, like questions to the media, their media time yesterday. You know why that was? No. A college, a college reporter sat in a public like uh, building, um, watching practice like through binoculars, like just they just sat in like a like a, I don't know like we like a a, a lecture hall, looking at the, the the practice and they they like reported in like the Daily Oklahoman or whatever it was, like Caleb Williams took fifteen of like twenty one snaps for the first team rep like first team reps. And after that got out, all hell broke loose and Oklahoma canceled media day all so, because of a student reporter. So and this was a, an Oklahoma student, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that's... been rumors that like, like Oklahoma will like the football team is, you know, put stuff on windows. So like kids can't look out at the sure. field, like, you know, and then, this 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 reporter just like went to a public building and looked out a window and just took notes. Hey man, so, you got you got to give him credit, right? You got to appreciate the hustle there. Could be the next yes. uh, Adam Schefter we have on our hands, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if Adam Schefter uh, tells the truth like this kid does, but uh, <laughs> we'll get we'll get into that later too. Um, but yeah, so co- controversy here. But Oklahoma came out, won the ball game versus a. Hey, you're, you're Texas Longhorns uh, and jump two spots. So Oklahoma sitting at four, you know, one team we didn't mention Alabama. I know you said it's refreshing, Tom losing to a backup quarterback at A&M and A&M has struggled this year. So I was actually curious if they would drop Bama out of the top four, right? I think there's some SEC bias. I still think they're a very strong team. They did have a struggle versus Florida, but, what are your thoughts of Florida or at Alabama five? Do you think they should have fallen lower? Do you think it's justified? You know, I, I think five is still a good spot. Um, I, I mean, they still have two big, three big wins actually, right? Miami, Florida, and then uh, Ole Miss. So yep. it's not like they're a bad team. I mean, you know, it, this was a tough loss, but it wasn't a blowout by any means. So I think five is a good spot. Um, I mean, and honestly, if it wasn't for Georgia just dominating, I, I can definitely see them kind of slipping back into that top four. Um, but I, I think there's a little bit of bias there, and they don't want to have two SEC teams in there, at least right not right now. So Yeah. Well, we might be gearing up for a Georgia-Bama SEC championship game. And honestly – It'd be phenomenal. Georgia wins. I think Bama misses the playoff. If Bama wins, they both make it. Yeah. That's how I, I see it. I don't, I don't see Georgia falling out. Assuming Georgia does not lose up until Correct. that game, but yeah. Yep, yep. So we won't we won't jump into any more, but I do want to ask you one question. I'm going to read off the final uh, 
ranking six through 10. And I want to get your thoughts on if there's any surprises here, um, anything you notice, um, anything that can be maybe maintained and any sleeper teams. Um, we have Ohio state at six, Penn state at seven, Michigan at eight, Oregon at nine and Michigan state at 10. It's a lot of big 10 schools. Any, any thoughts on the, the final five in the top 10 and, any, any of those teams you see maintaining that position or, or any that you see falling? Well, and like you said, John, I mean, that was the first thing that kind of jumped out to me as well. I mean, half of these teams are in the Big Ten, um, which is pretty impressive. I mean, we, you and I like to hate on the Big Ten, obviously being more Big 12 guys. But, um, I mean, you got to give them credit, but they are playing really well this year. So Michigan State is one of those teams that – I do think they're a little bit better than their ranking kind of justifies. Um, obviously they haven't, the quality of their opponent hasn't been there yet, but coming up Michigan and then Ohio state and Penn state to end the year. Right. So they had three ranked teams that are going to be playing. Um, so kind of their best football is ahead of them here. Assuming they can win these games. I mean, they're obviously going to fly up these rankings. Um, this is a team that does run the ball really, really well. So it'd be kind of interesting to see how they end that season. You know, you make a good point, too, that they finish with those other three teams. All four of those teams are from the Big Ten East, and none of them have played each other yet. Right. So there's going to be some shifts here, but because of the quality of wins, if one of these teams runs the table and beats the other three, they're jumping to that top four. I mean, I don't think there's yeah, any question absolutely. about it. They all kind of own their own fate there. So sucks. For us, you know, like you said, haters of the Big Ten, but it's hard to argue that the Big Ten is a very is is a very strong conference this year. I mean, honestly, John, it's they're going to show their true colors come college football playoffs. They always do. Yep, that's that's true. That is true. Hopefully, since he, since he wins it all, right, the future Big Twelve team. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was choking on my beer there. <laughs> um, okay, so. Yeah, I mean, interesting. We're only we're in week seven now. Um, unfortunately, Levi did call a college football playoff discussion with Michigan. We all laughed, and we're sitting here today talking about it. So Levi wins that round. Um, I mean, but real quick, does he win if he always is calling him to be in the you know college football playoff? Michigan basketball is going to be number one, right? Is that it's an every year thing? It's not like he's predicting it, right? That's fair. That's fair. Okay, I take back what I said. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you, Levi. <laughs> um, but, Tom, do you have the picks from last week and how we did? I know we I didn't do. have a pod last week, but do you want to run through maybe what we did kind of offline? I know we posted Instagram, but how did we do? Yeah, and I just have our records pulled up here. Um, I have a text message, but I'm recording this on my phone and technology. You know, um, So, unfortunately, Levi did actually win last week with a 5-1 and one record. Um, he still is sitting in last place, though, I believe. So, yeah, got more ground to make up there, Levi. Uh, John, you finished at four and two. Um, yours truly finished at three and three. And JR rounded us off at two and four. <laughs> uh, and I know um, for college football last week, we, we had two games. I don't remember everybody's random, um, but Oklahoma and Texas. So, Oklahoma covered, and we all picked Oklahoma, if I recall. And then the other game was Iowa versus Penn State. Levi actually picked Iowa and the rest of us picked Penn state. So Levi went two and O in the group picks and we all went one and one. 
this week though, Tom, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kick both of them to you to start off the discussion, but we've kind of already touched on this first one and it is Kentucky who is sitting at six and zero, oh, which is kind of a surprise because they are not a football school, right? Right. Sitting at 11 versus in Athens, Georgia versus the number one Bulldogs. Um, the spread that I, I saw right before we signed on here was Georgia minus 21 and a half. You've already talked about how you think Georgia's the best team in the nation. Give me a rundown of this game. Yeah, and I've already touched on their defense as well, right? I mean, just loaded with NFL talent. Um, You know, it's going to be tough to beat them. Kentucky does have a pretty good running game um, with Chris Rodriguez there. But, I mean, Georgia's like one of the top defenses against the run, you know, at the same time. So it's like if Kentucky can run the ball, you know, they they may have a fighting chance. But – I think what it really comes down to is Kentucky playing conservative and not making mistakes. Um, They also are a team that doesn't commit a lot of penalties, which could work in their favor. Right. So if you're not turning the ball over to Georgia, right. You may have a fighting chance here, but I mean, ultimately I I do think Georgia is going to run away with this one. The spread is 21 and a half. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. Yeah, that's tough. Actually I'm taking Kentucky. Give me the points with Kentucky. I still think Georgia wins this game, obviously, but 21 and a half is a lot. So. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, you, you're right. They're, they're the best defense in college football. I know people talk about Iowa's defense, but I think they are the elite of the elite. Yeah. Um, Kentucky hasn't won a game since 2009 versus Georgia. So 11 straight losses. Um, there are some good offenses in this game. Georgia averages about 40. And Kentucky's a 31, but that, that I think it's going to come down to the defense. Um, right now, Georgia has 22 sacks and eight interceptions and only give up about 201 yards game. That being said, Kentucky, I mean, they're not a slouch on defense, but they're no Georgia. But Kentucky is down two of their top defensive line. Um, and I don't think that's going to sit well. Um, I... I don't think that they've really played anybody this year either. I know they just beat Florida, so that's good, right? Yeah, but they, they really haven't outside of that. Chattanooga, they beat by five. South Carolina, they beat by six, and that's a bad team. Missouri, they beat by seven. So I get it, 6-0. and oh. You just came off a big upset versus Florida. You should be ranked 11. You're in the SEC, right? You kind of get that bias in my opinion, but – I'm going Georgia minus 21 and a half, man. I thought Arkansas stood a chance versus Georgia and Georgia piss pounded them 37 to nothing. So I am on the Georgia minus 21 and a half train. Um, so let's make, we jo- make sure we jot that down. And um, just, we got some picks from Levi and JR ahead of this. Um, my text showed that anything over minus 21, JR would pick, Kentucky. So since this is minus 21 and a half, we're going to put JR with Kentucky um, at plus 21 and a half. And Levi said Georgia minus 21 and a half. Got it. So um, just one split here. To note here, I was kind of curious what the over under is for this game. And it's, it's 44 and a half, which I think is extremely low given the spread. But I don't know. Tom, wow. what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Would you take the over there? Wow, they really think that Georgia's going to score some points That's, and really hold Kentucky. Right. <laughs> ah, yeah. 
That's I would probably still take the over. I think I'd still take the over, but I'm yeah, also okay. thinking that Georgia's going to win by over 21 and a half. So um, I, I I think that their offense is going to be, you know, just fine. But I I don't I don't I don't think Kentucky's going to score many points. Yeah, I, I do agree with you there. So, um, okay. So next game that we have here and. Sorry, Tom. I'm glad that you actually made the pod because I know how much of a BYU homer you've been, you know, the past <laughs> sports year. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> BYU at Baylor. So a non-conference game in the middle of the season. It's kind of strange for the Big 12, but it's kind of it, it's kind of interesting because this this matches up with a you know a future Big 12 matchup. So BYU comes yeah. to Waco. Ranked number 19th, coming off what I'll call a bad loss. They just lost to Boise State, who was under 500. Um, Baylor is 5-1. and one. I am personally shocked that they're not rated. Um, it's kind of bullshit, in my opinion, that they're not, they're, not, they're not rated after beating Iowa State, barely losing to Oklahoma State, um, manhandling um, West Virginia. Uh, so the spread I saw was BYU at Baylor. Baylor's minus 6.5. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, part of the problem with BYU this year, um, you know, me being the super fan that I am, um, they've, they've turned the ball over a lot, right? Four turnovers against Boise State. Um, they had two the week before against Arizona State. So you can't turn the ball over and expect to win these games, right? Um, their defense also struggles, particularly on third down, which again, I mean, if you can't stop a team on third down, you know, they're going to continue those drives, right? So it's, these are like the, the fundamentals that you need to kind of focus in on, right? To be a good football team. Um, Baylor, they actually have a really good pass defense, right? They get off the field quickly, which again, I mean, if you can keep your defense off the field, you're going to win those games. Um, and I, I think if Baylor can contain the run, they're going to win this game pretty easily. So I'm taking Baylor with the points here, six and a half. Okay. Yeah. And it's interesting you point that out. Uh, they give up only 175 pass yards a game. Like that is really good. Right. And they've played now. Don't get me wrong. I think some of their schedule at the beginning of the season was not great. Right. Texas state, Texas, Southern Kansas. Then they go play Iowa state. Well, again, we've talked about being a little bit of a disappointment, but still a very good passing team. Then you go to Oklahoma state who is undefeated. Number 12, they lost, but I'm just looking this up. Um, Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State had 182 yards passing. Like that, they're still holding Oklahoma State to 182 yards passing, very right. good. Um, so the fact that you, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize that before you said it. 175 yards passes, pass giving up, that is fantastic. Um, I said I am shocked that they're not rated right now. Um, they beat Iowa State, vaulted into the top 25. To, 21 lost by 10 to Oklahoma state and then fell out. And even after a 25 point win versus West, West Virginia, they're still out. So I think honestly, they come in with a little chip on their shoulder versus BYU. It's another ranked team that they have an opportunity to knock off. Um, I hate Baylor. Um, I hate saying nice things about them, but I'm actually going to take them as well. So Baylor minus six and a half is my pick as well. Um, Levi and JR both said BYU plus six and a half. So another two, two split here. All right. So a little bit of different, different thing here because we can't really just throw randoms at 
you know, everybody since we're not all here. But we did happen to get the picks um, sent via text. So my random for JR was Bama minus 17 at Mississippi State. JR picked Bama minus 17. Um, he gave me Fresno State minus three and a half versus Wyoming. Um, I've been a homer for Fresno State a lot this year. And Wyoming, I know it's your boy Josh Allen's team, but you gave them to me, I think, week one versus Montana State. They couldn't even cover. So I'm going Fresno State minus three and a half. I think they're just a little too strong. So that's my pick there. Um, Tommy, you gave Levi. What was the random you gave Levi? Oh, let me see if I can find it quick. Hang on. You want to sing a song or something while I'm pulling this up? Uh, so I had Michigan State minus four and a half against Indiana. Yes. And he said Indiana, correct? He did. Okay. So Levi is taking Indiana, or, uh, Indiana over Michigan State. Now, I think that might have been a homer pick because he hates the Spartans. Yep. But, but hey. That, that's hey, his choice, right? He has picked Michigan State um, previously on this podcast. So Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then his random for you, which we can get into, UCF plus 21 and a half for Cincinnati. We just chatted about Cincinnati. Didn't think that we might have any team that could challenge them. But 21 and a half, 21 and a half points is a lot. What are your yeah. thoughts on this one? And generally, I tend to kind of shy away from these larger spreads. Um, I, I generally have a hard time seeing a team win by three touchdowns, um, in this case, a little bit more than that. But, I mean, I, I don't think UCF is a good football team. Um, you know, we've obviously talked about Cincinnati and kind of their strength of schedule or lack thereof, but I do think that they're still going to route UCF here, and I actually am taking Cincinnati with the points here. Okay. All right. Awesome. So some more good games this year or this week, um, but that'll conclude college football. And we'll, we're going to move into NFL and Tommy's timeout. I don't think there's anything that happened in the past two weeks, Tom, that, that are really, uh, that really sticks out. Is there? No, yeah, nothing, no injuries, um, no coaches getting in trouble or getting fired. So yeah, pretty, pretty quiet couple of weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, I, mean, I, I think we got to lead it off with kind of the, story that happened earliest on obviously we weren't here last week to talk about this um john i know this one hits you a little too close to home maybe um but urban meyer caught in a bar scandal um dancing with a girl that looked to be about half of his age if not a third his age um i will say i have read reports that these two did know each other previously they had worked together in some capacity um i'm not quite sure what that was but I don't know if you have any further details on that, John, but um, interesting stuff. I mean, it just seems to be one thing after another with this guy, one distraction after another. Um, one thing that really stuck stuck out to me, and then I'll let you comment on this, is after a loss, right, on Thursday Night Football, why are you not flying back with your team? Like, I get it. You know, you're an Ohio State guy, right? You're right there, but, like, you're no longer in the college football like universe, right? You're in the NFL. This is your team after yet a devastate, another devastating loss, right? They're fourth of the season at the time. What are you doing not getting on that plane? You know? 
Oh, Tom, uh, I have so many thoughts going through my head right now. And I think the first thing is you, you called this and you said you think that he's going to ruin the Jaguars more than they are already ruined. Yeah. And, and that, that pains me to say, man, it's not, that wasn't me trying to like talk shit or whatever. Like he just, I just, you know, I'll, I'll let you continue. Go ahead. That, but you hope that he doesn't ruin. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it seems like he is. Um, my my first thought too, you know, after that is, you're right. Like, it's insane that a head coach doesn't get back on the flight with their team, win or lose. I don't. I mean, even if you win, it doesn't give you the justification to not fly back. Like, even if things are going well, obviously winning cures everything, but they're not winning. So you need to show that you're. To, you know, to your team that you're committed to turning this thing around. And you, you hear him in press conferences, this thing now, he just doesn't seem like he gets it. Like, it's just, I think it's way too big for him. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's just, it seems like, like I said, it's one thing. I mean, starting off, right, with that Iowa strength and conditioning coach, can't remember his name, right? But he got fired Doyle. for you know, yeah, racist remarks and Urban just scoops him up. I mean, controversy number one, right? Controversy number two, signing Tim Tebow, which, okay, you know, maybe he could have made the roster right as a tight end. You guys were weak at tight end at the time. Um, but then he gets cut before cutdown days. So it's like, okay, you know, that's weird. Bringing in Carlos Hyde, who's been absolutely nothing in the NFL, and all of a sudden he's competing for carries? Like, that, that makes no sense at all. Um, but the biggest one, in my opinion, is – not naming Trevor Lawrence, right? The prodigy. Like this guy was the number one overall pick three years ago. Everyone knew that this guy was the the bona fide number one pick. It doesn't matter who is that, you know, who's that team picking him. And you are saying that he's, you know, Gardner Minshew is still kind of in this quarterback competition, limiting Trevor Lawrence's reps in practice, in training camp, just to trade Minshew away for a six round pick for like absolutely nothing. And that was the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way is like when you have this quarterback who, whether, you know, you think he's ready to start or not, um, you know, that, that could be determined. Maybe he could have, you know, rode the pine for a little bit and kind of got adjusted to this NFL life, but he needs to get those reps in practice. And when you're not to try and boost the trade value of this guy, you know, and Gardner Minshew, I love the guys, you know, he's a decent quarterback, but I mean, let's be honest here. And, to trade him for a six round pick, which is essentially nothing, right? It's a bag of peanuts. Um, but then on top of that, after you draft a running back in the first round, which a lot of people these days kind of argue against, um, you know, whether Travis Etienne, maybe he's going to be a superstar. That's to be determined. But after you draft the guy, you literally come out and have a press conference and say, well, we actually wanted Kadarius Tony, but he got drafted. So we kind of, you know, just settled on Travis Etienne. I mean, how, what does that do to the morale of the team, right? So, I mean, yep. it's been one thing after another with this guy, and I, I honestly, I don't think Jacksonville can get rid of him soon enough. You think they leave him in London if they lose? I would love, like, I, honestly, I would love that. As an outsider looking in, like, the quicker you can get rid of him, the better. Um, and, I mean, he's he's going to be running, right, whether that's the USC or, you know, wherever it may be, so... Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like you've hit a lot of key points on Urban Meyer and just the disaster that 
he has been. I'm going to go to the most recent game um, and more so some of the press conference and some of his responses um, to what happened, you know, this game and the game before that. I mean, the Jaguars have improved every week, in my opinion. Like, they got throttled sure. versus the Texans, but they should have beat the Bengals. If they had that game, they got stopped on fourth and one. I love the call going into halftime. Loved it. Like, you, you want to step on their throats, you want to go up 21 nothing. Going to shotgun, run a QB draw, didn't work. Okay, fine. Defense, like, the Jags are there, and they're competing in the first half. They just don't have the players to, you know, keep it up. They don't have the depth to maintain leads at this time. Hey, maybe they'll coach them up. They are getting better. Maybe you could say Urban's getting his feet underneath him, but some of the shit that he says in his post game is just insane. Um, I'm going to throw something out here. Two, two things. James Robinson. We talked about ETN. We talked about bringing Carlos Hyden. James Robinson was the third lean rusher in the NFL last year. They don't give him the ball at all. Like, he had 149 yards rushing, I think, this week versus yep. the Titans. Yep. Bad 8. rush defense. 8.3 yards per carry. Yes. They gave him the ball six times, six touches in the second half. There was a fourth and one play, <laughs> and Carlos Hyde was in the game on the one-yard line. Carlos Hyde lost three yards. Did- Urban Meyer asked about it afterwards, said didn't even realize that you know, the personnel is like, I don't want to micromanage, but didn't even realize that that was Carlos Hyde and not J Rob. And people are like, yeah, exactly. People are wondering what the hell are you looking at? You're the head coach. Like, how do you not know James Robinson's not on? I get that. You want to give your coaches some freedom to do things, but step in, man, like show that you're the leader. If someone's, if you know, he is the guy that's basically the only athlete or, player that's doing anything right for us right now give him the ball keep feeding him when he's dominating so totally agree that's that's one thing but we've had i mentioned the Bengals fourth and one we had that fourth and one here when asked about running a qb sneak with a six six quarterback he said Trevor Lawrence is not fully comfortable running a QB sneak at this time. Reporters ask Trevor Lawrence and he's like, no, I mean, I mean, we practice it all the time. We haven't done it in a game, but that doesn't mean I can't do it. So I'm not, I don't want to read between the lines, but there's disconnect now even between the head coach and the QB Trevor Lawrence. I'll kind of liken him to a Russell Wilson. He says all the right things. He says like cliche stuff. But to me, like just to go against what your head coach is saying, like Urban's also lost that locker room. And if you lose Trevor Lawrence, he better not fuck up Trevor Lawrence. That's all I'm going to say. Totally agree. Um, so, and the thing about you know that QB sneak, Trevor Lawrence was a guy in college that actually was pretty good running the ball. So it's like you should have that faith in him. And yeah, QB sneak is a little bit different, right, than a scramble or kind of a designed rush, but. I mean, he's a big dude, and, and you got to have faith in him there. Yeah, and they're kind of unleashing him now. I think you want to be careful with your quarterback, but he's getting 30-some yards a game rushing now. Yeah. So he's an athletic dude, but he's 6'6". Why can't you just line up behind your, you know, the, the lineman and just fall over the line? Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. So 
if we continue talking about herbs, I'm probably going to get a little more heated. Um, I was very hopeful. Levi hated it. So give Levi props. You hated it. Um, and it's just sad because they've lost 20 straight. I think the record for how many games you lose in a row is like 26. So, so John, I, got, they, I mean, they're, they're technically the away team, but I mean, let's be honest, this is a home game for Jacksonville in London. <laughs> Um, is this, is this their first victory against Miami? I'm feeling confident, man. Miami. I mean, I know Tua is coming back. You know, our, our buddy Nick is big Tua guy, but the dolphins are very bad right now as well. So, uh, unfortunately those fans, uh, in London don't get to see it's two straight bad matchups in a row. Um, the jets Falcons this past week and dolphins Jags, but man, I, I think, I'm a little more confident in this one than I have been in any other week. So um, I think they do, Tom. I think they do too. And just kind of looking ahead at their schedule. I mean, after that at Seattle versus Buffalo, um, I mean, I hate to say it, those are two losses at the Colts, which I mean, Carson Wentz actually looked really good last week, but we'll see if that can, you know, if he can stay consistent there and then 49ers, Falcons, Rams, Titans. I mean, you guys have a really tough schedule. So I think it's going to be brutal here for Jacksonville. Maybe I get a Christmas present and they beat the Jets on the 26th of December. But Hey, man, never know. Zach Wilson. But, hey, you know what will happen is uh, we'll get the number one pick and we'll probably pick a running back or something because of Urban. So <laughs> you know, we'll probably mess up that draft somehow. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we have, we have freaking Trevor Lawrence coming out and what do we do? Um, we don't sign any linemen. We get this, we leave the same five statues that are up there from last year with $30 million in cap space still sitting there. So, yeah, it's yep. tough, man. Well, unless you have anything else about to say about urban, I'm getting a little heated. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to drop this cause it's not set in stone, but we might have, um, a, uh, a guest here in the you know, future. Um, we've kind of been in some discussions, just minor about, having her come on and she's a Jags reporter. So we won't let this die. If she does come on, we're going to definitely ask her about urban and the team and, you know, get some maybe firsthand knowledge of that. So we'll, maybe we'll save some more conversation for that. If she ever does come on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what, what's next on your list for Tommy's yeah, time? Out? Moving on to kind of the next um, coaching controversy, if you will, John Gruden has officially resigned. So now there was some, uh, the Washington football team is being uh, kind of investigated for, I believe it was a cheerleader scandal. I could be wrong on that. Um, it's been a while since this kind of came out initially. But so the NFL, I believe they hired like a third party f- uh, firm to do this investigation, right? They're digging through like hundreds of thousands of emails to see if there was any sort of misconduct. Um, and John Gruden, his name surfaced in some of these emails. Um, he did have some pretty racist remarks without getting into you know details further than that but he has officially resigned um as coach of the raiders i believe their special teams coach i don't recall his name off the top of my head but he will be taking over as the interim head coach um i mean this is a, a huge blow i mean this is a raiders team so john gruden had a is like a 10-year 100 million dollar contract um this is year four right so he still had i believe it was six years 60 million dollars left on this deal um Honestly, it might be a blessing in disguise for the Raiders just because they, 
I've never been a Gruden fan. I, I don't think even when he got the Super Bowl, you know, whatever that was, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, I mean, let's be honest, he inherited that team from Tony Dungy. That was Super Bowl ready. Um, so it's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I was never a believer in the guy. Um, I, I think it's kind of the best case scenario, even though the Raiders have, like I said, they've been playing really well. Derek Carr at times has, has looked like an MVP caliber player. Um, so, you know, tough blow for them, but I'm, I'm sure they'll recover. And like I said, I think it'll be good for the long term for them. Any thoughts on that, John? Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, and, and again, we don't want to get too far into politics and, and things of that nature, but you know, you see some people that are like, I hate cancel culture. I hate this, but my rebuttal to that would be, you see, um, you see times like if a kid were to say something like this, and it came out 10 years later, well, where they're an adult now, but like when they said something, they were a kid. Still not saying that that's the right thing, but kids don't really know, right, what they're saying often. Right. But John Gruden right. said this as an adult. Like there's no excuse, in my opinion, for anything that he said. Never an excuse. So that's kind of the wrong term, but he knew what he was saying. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's just not right. And so, I think it was the totally right move. Like, I think it's ridiculous that he ever said that stuff. I think it was the right move that he's out. So I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I just wanted to get that out there that like, he said this as an adult, like he has yeah. learned, you know, it's not like he was a kid where, Oh, naive, young, stead, you know, stupid yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just needed to be gone. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the, the Raiders respond. Um you know, losing John Gruden. Um, you know, but the interesting thing was, you mentioned the the scandal, Tommy. Like the email review, there's been hundreds of thousands of emails, like you said, and only two emails have been like two things have come out of it, and it had nothing to do with the Washington Football Team. Right. We had <laughs> this, and what was the other thing? Uh, it was the Adam Schefter. Yes. And I'll let so, you comment on that. I'm not as familiar with that controversy. Yeah. So basically years ago um, when the player, I think it was when the players were going to go on strike um, or there was talks of it. Adam Schefter wrote an article and sent it to, I think it was the giants GM or maybe the, the Washington football team GM sent it to the GM calling him Mr. Editor and allowed him to edit anything that was said in this article written like about the GMs talking about the players striking um, before it got published. So basically it was the GM writing about it um, and providing the, the, the reviews. So uh, to me, I mean, do we, do we trust anything Adam Schefter says? I mean, is he just a mouthpiece for the league, right? It just kind of calls into question the journalistic integrity, in my opinion. Um, do you have any thoughts on, you know, sending that stuff, you know, before you report on it to, um, you know, the person you're writing stuff about? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I do – this obviously, you know, takes uh, – Schefter's credibility does take a bit of a hit here. Um, and, and Schefter kind of got in some hot water – as well this offseason, right, with the Aaron Rodgers stuff, right, when he kind of the timing of when he released it. And I think it kind of, I mean, at the end of the day, Schefter is employed by the NFL, right? Um, you know, he works for ESPN, but let's be honest here, the NFL is the guy, they're the ones pumping him with this information and everything else. So 
I don't know. It's tough. I mean, he, he obviously has a boss that he reports to. And I think that it's just some of these stories, right. Whether he's can break them or not, people are signing off on this. Right. And I think we saw the same thing, like I said, with Rogers, where I'm assuming someone higher up told him when he should release that, that um, story. Right. Which happened to be on the NFL draft. Right. Um, which happened to take away a lot of, uh, you know, the news cycle from the NFL draft. So I don't know. It's tough. I, I do think Schefter is still going to stay around. I mean, he is next to Rappaport. I mean, the most credible guy in the NFL, one of the only ones that when he reports something and you know, for sure it's, you know, it's the truth, whether it be an injury, a trade, whatever. Um, so I don't know. It'd be interesting to see kind of how he recovers from this though. You sure you don't think the Vikings paid him to put that non-news <laughs> story about Rogers out there during the draft? I, I still do believe that story, but the timing of it is odd. <laughs> I mean, he even came out and said, this isn't new. I just released it. Like, no no new news. Um, but, yeah, just, just interesting. Uh, I saw a bunch of memes like, you know, Adam Schefter reporting on John Gruden, knowing that he's next, like, you know, the, <laughs> the next email to come out. Um, that was That was funny. But also, you know, the other interesting part is, is how ESPN was covering this like the release from John Gruden's emails and Schefter's emails, but both of them were employed by ESPN at the time of these emails and, and right. stuff being completed. Right. Like it, it, it is odd. Yeah. And I mean, tinfoil hat, you know, you put on that tinfoil hat and it's like, okay, this investigation really is about Dan Snyder. Right. And, and what he did allegedly with uh, these cheerleaders. And I think it was like a video that was surfacing and whatnot. Um, Dan Snyder, right. Is a, billionaire owner so he obviously has money he obviously has power um and so we were kind of talking about this before the pod started but you know it's kind of interesting that all the heat has all of a sudden been taken off him in this investigation um which i'm sure they've uncovered stuff right in these 600,000 emails that they've gone through um you know and suddenly this you know john gruden is the biggest story out there um and i believe the Schefter story came out before the gruden emails correct so it's almost like Schefter thing hit and then now the Gruden thing hit right in this 24 hour news cycle. It's no one's even talking about Schefter anymore. Yep. So it's just really interesting to see how this is playing out. Now the latest thing, the Washington football team announced today that they're going to retire Sean Taylor's number. Now, if you remember Sean Taylor was that safety that I believe it's been like 10 years now. I mean, yep. we were in like college man. And, and, you know, he was shot in his home with the home invasion. Um, awful story but they're, they're finally retiring his number. It's like, I, I just assumed that number had been retired at this point, you know? It's almost um, like to get him off the scent from these email investigations. Exactly. So it's just kind of the timing of that is really odd. And obviously it's a great story, but it's like, really? You're doing this now, mid middle of the season, you know? So just really odd. I, I'd really hope that the focus can shift back um, to Dan Snyder and to, you know, what this um, – this whole kind of lawsuit is actually about. Sure. Nope. I, I agree. I guess we might have some more to talk about next week. And if that's the case, we'll see what the next controversy is. That's the thing, right? 600,000 emails. I would imagine there is something on every single person in the league at the time. I believe this was happening in 2005. So, and I mean, that's just the thing, right? So that's been what? Seven years. No, 17 years? Yeah. 16 years? And yep. 
that just shows, I mean, if they're surfacing, resurfacing emails from 16 years ago, whatever is put on the internet, including this podcast, it's permanent. You know, it's written in ink on the internet and someone somewhere will find it. So. Yep. I agree. Anything else this week for Tommy's timeout? Or, I mean, that's, those are two big stories. So pretty heavy stuff. Um, Last one that I wanted to touch on is the Russell Wilson injury. Um, Now he had, he broke his finger. Um, I don't know if you saw the picture, but it was pretty nasty. Um, It it is on his throwing hand, which obviously, you know, had to leave the game. Geno Smith looked okay, kind of in replacement there. But so Wilson has had surgery on that, on his throwing hand. Um, but he was practicing today, which is pretty unreal. What? Now, but from what I understand, he was not using that hand. So he's not ready to throw, obviously, but I'm assuming he's still going through the motions, right? Kind of going through the drills and everything. But we'll see how long this keeps him out. I believe the timeline was six to eight weeks initially. Russell Wilson is kind of a different beast there. He, you know, I can see him making a comeback a little bit earlier, but for this divisional race, right? I mean, and we've talked about this before saying it is the toughest division in all of football, um, which I, I still think is true it, it, for the NFC. The AFC West is actually really good, right? Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs, and well, I guess we'll see what happens with the Raiders from here. But in my opinion, I mean, this, this assuming Wilson misses six weeks, let's say, um, I, I mean, I would assume this knocks him out of the playoffs, right? Cardinals are five and has to. The Rams have only have one loss. Um, you know, obviously those teams are going to most likely lose at some point, but I mean, you can't, there, there's no way you're, even if you win half those games, Geno Smith, you know, you go three and three. I, I think you're, you're knocked out of the division for sure. And the wild card is going to be kind of an insane um, race as well. So kind of a tough blow, but honestly, I'm, I'm kind of happy that Seattle's going to be knocked out of the playoffs for one. <laughs> You still, uh, still seeing the uh, was it Walsh? Pretty bitter. wide left. I'm pretty bitter about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see Geno Smith bring. He he did play really well. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, but it's Geno Smith, man. Yep, <laughs> I, I I would agree with you on that one. So yeah. cool. Anything else before we get into some picks this week? That's that's all I've got. Okay, um, I don't recall off the top of my head uh, how everybody landed last week but we had vikings minus seven versus the lions i know levi picked the lions and we the three of us picked the vikings um any thoughts on that game tom after the uh heart attack that you almost had no i mean that i i do have a lot of thoughts but i'd uh i'd rather not speak them right now so (laughs) Hey, Kirk with the clutch drive uh, to bring them back and get that field goal. Credit no, I do want to get your thoughts on this, though. I do want to get your thoughts on this. Were he and Zimmer fighting, or were they excitedly yelling at each other at the end of the game? No, they were fighting. That's my opinion. I know – so Kirk was mic'd up. Um, he did say you like that to Zimmer. Um, but from the way I'm interpreting that is – I mean, let's be honest. So I don't know if you watched that game or not, John, but the Vikings play play calling in that second half was extremely conservative. Um, You know, Justin Jefferson had over a hundred yards in the first half. And I believe he saw two targets all of the, like the entire second half. So, I mean, we got extremely conservative. 
especially against the Lions, who's, I mean, their defense is Swiss cheese. So, I mean, let's, you know, this is not a team that you should get conservative on and, and keep a game that close. Um, so, and in, in Kirk's defense here, I know I hate on him a lot, but this play calling was far too conservative. They should have kept their foot on the gas. And I think Kirk acknowledged that as well. Um, so I think Kirk kind of leading that game winning drive, which again, credit where credit is due. He, that was, you know, a great drive and I'll give him all the credit in the world there. But I think he was frustrated with that play calling and that was him kind of um, expressing that emotion to Zimmer. And I mean, we, we all have seen that Zimmer push. I've watched this clip probably a hundred times. He's pushing Zimmer is pushing Kirk in frustration. Not a doubt in my mind. I don't know what he said to Kirk. Um, unfortunately the mic was not able to pick that up, but I mean, you could see the assistant coach kind of running up behind him. Patrick Peterson kind of ran over there. Um, I think tensions were high in this game. So I think it was more fighting than a celebration. Okay. And the, I would say the Vikings schedule is not easy coming up here. I agree. So... I mean, this, this Carolina game is, I mean, I hate to say it, this is going to make or break our season right here. Um, this is a must win game. You know, after that, we obviously have the bye, which I think is kind of much needed at this time, especially with Delvin Cook kind of banged up. Um, I mean, but after that, Cowboys, Sunday Night Football on Halloween night. We all know how Kirk does on Sunday Night Football. Um, And then at the Ravens, at the Chargers, versus the Packers, at the 49ers. I mean, it's it's tough. And then obviously the Lions at, at, excuse me, Lions at Detroit, which hopefully should be a win, but playing Pittsburgh the week after at Chicago, which is a night game. I believe that's Monday night football as well. Um, we seem to always lose at Chicago. So, I mean, I'm, I'm already chalking that game up as a loss versus the Rams at the Packers and then ending the season with the bears at home. So, I mean, it is going to be brutal. This first stretch of the season was the easiest part of the schedule. And in my opinion, those were games that they should have won like five and zero should be the record right now. Um, they let it get away. Yep, and that's that's going to come back and bite them. So they have to play nearly perfect football the rest of the way here, which, I, I mean, I hate to say it, I don't think it's possible with this team. So we'll see. Well, you're not allowed to be critical, Tom, so we gotta we got to move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but picks this week, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick both these off with you uh, to start. Um, the line had boo since Jarris had a text about his pick. Um, with our first game, which was Cardinals at Browns, and it's Browns minus three and a half. Um, what are you thinking on this one? Yeah, I mean, this I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, this game is played at Cleveland, which I think is going to help Cleveland. Arizona is the better team, in my opinion. Um, the Browns' defense, though, has looked pretty good. The thing that concerns me about this, though, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were both – do not practice. Or they did not practice Wednesday and Thursday, uh, which is extremely concerning. I mean, if one of those guys doesn't practice, sure, right? They're a two-headed monster, probably the best running back tandem in the league. Um, maybe Zeke and Tony Pollard, but I think Chubb and Hunt kind of take the cake there. But the fact that both of those guys are practicing um, is very concerning. This is a team that relies heavily on the run to set up the pass. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I really don't know what to think of this game. The Cardinals offense does look really good. I, I think I have to take Arizona here with the points. So, Okay. And Chandler Jones is out. He's on the COVID list. And I think that there's yeah. 
two coaches that are on it. So I think if they have another person that comes down with COVID, they have to take some pretty extreme protocols is what I was reading. So that could be something that, that could affect this game as well. I agree, but I wish I had the injury report here still. I think that Cleveland is missing like four of their tackles, though. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they're, they may be struggling as well. Okay. So you say Cardinals plus three and a half. Well, I mean, I think they're pretty two evenly matched teams. I mean, the Browns are three and two. Um, they did let that Chiefs game get away from them. Barely lost the Chargers in what may have been the best NFL game of the year. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw that final touchdown by Eckler where they just basically let him walk in, Yep. <laughs> um, you know, to give themselves a chance, but it's kind of, I mean, I, I think this is a really good matchup too. And that's why we picked it this week, Arizona five and oh, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I'm thinking the Browns might pull one out here. Um, it's going to be kind of cool. Cause we got Baker versus Kyler, um, the old OU sooner quarterbacks, right. Um, yeah. Both young quarterbacks. I think Baker's done a lot better than I initially thought he would in the NFL. Kyler is having an MVP type season in my my eyes. Um, that offense is really fun to watch. But I, I'm I don't know why. I just have a feeling I'm gonna go Browns minus three and a half. Um, All right. I don't really have a a good thought on that one. It's just kind of some intuition. And Levi and Jr. Both are also taking the Browns plus three and a half. Hey, all right. Or sorry, card. Sorry, Cardinals plus three and a half. Oh man, I was hoping to to gain nope. some ground on you guys here. No, nope, because I think Jr. had Browns minus three, but said if it goes anything above that, he wants Cardinals. So, Cardinals plus three and a half, I believe. We can also verify this um, after on the text message, but I think it's you, Levi, and Jr. with Cardinals plus three and a half, and I'm taking the Browns minus three and a half. So I, I want to make one call on this game. So I believe DeAndre Hopkins is going to be lined up against Denzel Ward most of this game. Um, I'm calling it right now. DeAndre Hopkins, blow-up week. So start him in your fantasy football lineups, which you should be anyways. But Have him in two of my dynasty leagues, so I am throwing him in there. There you go. Okay. Okay, next game. Bills minus five and a half at the Titans. Hit me with it. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't think this Titans team is good. Um, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, both of them are banged up, nursing injuries. Outside of that, they don't have anyone to throw them the ball to. Um, King Henry, right, he's actually missed the last two days of practice as well, which I believe, based on the injury report, it was just rest. It wasn't an actual injury designation, um, but still concerning. I mean, his usage is through the roof like it has been like the last three years he's he's gonna I mean he can't keep playing at this level right I mean it's kind of the DeMarco Murray thing all over again where you just run him to the ground you know three four years and then he's just dust so I hope it doesn't happen he's a fun guy to watch but I, I just I don't see it with this Titans team anymore um, their defense isn't what it used to be their offense isn't what it used to be uh, especially with the loss of Arthur Smith so, I mean, it, the line's at five and a half. I think it should be a lot more. Josh Allen has been playing lights out again. He's kind of looking in that MVP form that he had last year. Yeah, I said it. Um, so, yeah, give me the – excuse me, give me the Bills uh, minus five and a half. Is Josh Allen like the RB5 on the year? <laughs> I think he is. He's the <laughs> RB1 on that team, that's for sure. The thing is, this is a team that just doesn't care if they run the ball. Like, they are – 
they have to be the most modern offense in the NFL just for the fact of they know that passing the ball is going to win them games, right? So that's that's all they do. It's 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 absolutely nuts. And you don't think like a, a team of Emmanuel Sanders, Dawson yep. Knox, Cole Beasley. Yeah, Cole Beasley. I mean, Diggs is great, right? But yeah. their supporting but cast is not he's like the wide receiver five this year. Like yeah. he's not you know, the digs that we saw last year. Yep. Yep. Dawson Knox is coming out of you know yeah. left field here and he's he's putting in a dominant season so far. So um I, you know, I won't spend too much time on this. I agree with you. I don't think the Titans are that great. The Jaguars ran all over them. Trevor Lawrence had a good game. Just their defense couldn't hold the Titans. But the Bills, pretty rock solid. I mean, dominated the Chiefs. You know, I don't know what's going on in Kansas City there, but the Bills looked fucking amazing. So I'm also going to go Bills minus five and a half. Um, And JR and Levi did as well. So clean sweep there. So the randoms, um, I gave a random game (laughs) – it's unfortunate he can't be here because I really wanted to talk about this game was Dolphins minus three at the Jags. JR picked the Dolphins minus three. Um, he gave Sorry, me a random. Just minus three. Yep. Minus three. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a pretty close spread. Yeah, right. I think the Jags yeah. are covering. I think they're going to win. So um, he gave me Seattle Seahawks at the Steelers minus five and a half. Now, while I think the Steelers, not great this year. Um, I'm going to take that. And I think it just stems from the Russell Wilson injury. I think five and a half. I mean, it's still pretty, still pretty close. Um, I wouldn't believe that Geno Smith, I I thought that might be a little um, larger of a spread, Um, but Seattle's still an okay team. Um, But I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Steelers minus five and a half. So you had a random for, Levi, what what was that? Yeah, it was actually that same game, Steelers and uh, excuse me, Seattle at Pittsburgh, and okay, Pittsburgh as well. Okay, all right, and then he had given you Chargers plus two and a half versus the Ravens. Which see, I so when I picked this, it was before that Monday night game, and I might have picked that for our picks. Um, you know, I just doing the selection so I can get it over to you guys ahead of time. If the Ravens, if I would have known they would have won a four and one, four and one matchup, would have been really cool to listen to everybody talk about it. But you got it. You get to talk about it here for your random pick. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love this game. I think it's going to be probably the best game on the slate. Yet again, it seems like Baltimore is just playing like they're just playing great football, like all around right now. And it, it seems like, I don't know. I mean, Lamar Jackson is just like, playing on a different level, right? I know you said uh, Kyler Murray, you know, has that MVP potential, but I, I honestly think Lamar could be right up there as well. Um, that being said, you could say the same thing about Justin Herbert. Now this is a team, right? That the Chargers seem to be the team that has elite wide receivers that are always hurt, right? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, both are superstars. They're playing at a superstar level right now. Mike Williams is definitely the better of those two. Um, which is kind of funny because he always kind of took the backseat to Keenan Allen. Um, Austin Eckler, another guy that's always, you know, injured, but he's playing like just an elite running back right now. So this one's tough, man. Um, and I'm going to have to have you read the spread to me one more time. So two and a half Baltimore. Baltimore is, yep, favored by two and a half. 
So here's the thing. The Chargers run defense is pretty bad. So I can see Lamar Jackson having like another 100 game, 100 yard game running. Right. So I think he's going to run all over them. It seems like Latavius Murray has kind of taken hold of that backfield. Um, and he's doing OK there. So I think it's going to be a really high scoring game. And I ultimately think that Baltimore is going to going to take this one. Um, so I will take Baltimore with the points here. OK. All right. All right. So let's lock them all in. You know, hopefully we get those guys back next week, um, but we do have their picks as well. So um, that kind of concludes our NFL discussion. Tom, do you have anything else that you want to touch on this week? No, I don't. And, uh, you know, just want to thank, once again, thank our listeners um, for sticking with us here. And um, yeah, it's been a, it's been an awesome ride and looking forward to future episodes. And I think we might have some cool things potentially coming down the pipeline. So stick with us. Sure. Um, you know, we want you to be, uh, you know, one of the, you know, the loyal firsts before, you know, we blow up and, you know, we get a lot more followers. So um, no, we, we <laughs> appreciate it. I do. I am excited about what we could potentially be bringing on. Um, you know, I think we've had thoughts and discussions about a potential NFL player. Uh, he might be a little busy right now, but then also a, a Jags reporter. So Hope, hoping that I, you know, manifest that into existence, um, you know, and, and we'll see what happens in the near future. But with that, you know, I think cheers, buddy. And, uh, you know, we'll talk again next week. Absolutely.